The reading is from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 20, and it's on page 1176 of the Church Bibles, or on the screen. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of God. Helen, thanks very much for reading. It's always good to pray before we look at the word, so let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we believe that the Bible is your word, that you've spoken to us as we've read it. Pray that you continue to speak to us as we think about it now. Lover of our souls, we want to live for you. Please help us this evening. Amen. Amen. Um, does, your, does your family have any rules? Have you got any rules in your family, either written or unwritten rules? Um, here's me and my brothers. Can you tell which one's me? Middle. I am in the middle, yes. I've got two older brothers. And now we had three rules when we were growing up. Um, they're quite, quite odd rules. Okay? So we had no motorbikes, no tattoos, and no joining the army. <laughs> 
quite, quite an odd three rules. I think if I ever have kids, I'm not sure those would be the three rules. But they were the rules for me and my brothers. And what's, what's odd is actually we didn't know about these rules. I didn't know about them until I went off to university. And I was, I was my own man. <laughs> but apparently, those were the rules that I had growing up. No motorbikes, no tattoos, and no joining in the army. Bit odd. Um, a couple of close friends of mine, they, they foster children. Uh, and they're, to be honest, they're really inspiring to me. Um, I've had the privilege of seeing them take um, new children into their family and raise them up. Some of those children that they end up looking after, they've been through some tough times. And they go to my friends, and they're fostered. And naturally, when those kids join, join that new family, it can be a shock to the system. There can be new, new routines for those kids, new habits to form. And it can be really hard for them. They're part of a new family. Being part of a new family means living like part of that new family. And it's not always easy at first. And sometimes it's, it's never easy. You, you might have noticed something similar going on in this bit of Ephesians that we had read. It says, Christians are now part of God's family, so we're to live like that we're part of God's family. So what does being part of God's family involve? That's the question we're going to be thinking about this evening. Now, as the music coordinator, I'd love to just preach on those uh, last couple of verses there, <laughs> which is about singing. Um, but, but we believe, as Christians, that all of the Bible is God's word to us. We can't just pick the bits that we like. Uh, the bits that, bits that are tricky, we can't get rid of those bits. Um, so we're going to look at all these, all these verses, 1 through 20. And as we go through these verses, we'll see, we'll see this. You are a holy child of God, so live like one. You are a holy child of God, so live like one. Essentially, we're just carrying on um, from where the section that we were in at the start of chapter 4. And remember the structure of Ephesians. It's basically two halves. You've got chapters 1, 2, and 3, and you've got chapters 4, 5, and 6. And the first three chapters, Paul's outlining the gospel, the good news of what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. That's chapters 1, 2, and 3. And in the second half, chapters 4, 5, and 6, Paul outlines how to live. How do we live as a result of what God has done? Well, we'll see that you are a child of God, so live like one. And actually, it's important that it comes in that order. It's important that it comes in that order, because, you know, chapter 1, 2, and 3, it comes before chapter 4, 5, and 6. God makes us a child. Remember chapter 1, if you were here? Chapter 1, God is the active agent. He makes us his child. And then we can start living like one. God has to work first. Remember chapter 2, if you were here? Through what Jesus did, God brought us from death to life. That has to happen first, before we can live like his children. So you are a holy child of God, so live like one. So let's, let's get into the, the details of the chapter in front of us. If you've got a Bible in front of you, that would be really helpful. Uh, have it open at Ephesians chapter 5. And start, to start with, let's look at verses 1 and 2. Here we're going to see, you are a child of God. So chapter 5, verse 1 says this, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. And live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now imagine if, if those were the first verses of chapter 1 of Ephesians. If they were the first verses of chapter 1, I think I would be, I would be out of here. I would have scrolled away and moved on. This, this, is, this is huge. Surely this is asking too much of us, isn't it? Follow God's example. Paul, are you crazy? I'm just, I'm just little old me. I can't follow God's example, can I? 
He's perfect. God's perfect. And I, I most definitely am not perfect. Or Paul says, live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. What? You, you want me to copy Jesus? I just, I just can't do that. He lived a perfect life and died for the sins of the whole world. I, I can't do that, surely. I can't do that. But remember, Paul didn't start his letter here. We're in chapter 5. He's already explained that God's adopted us into his family. If you're a Christian this evening, then you are a child of God. You see it there in verse 1. Dearly loved children. Well, how did that happen? You see it there in verse 2. Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This, this is the good news. This is the good news of Jesus. Even though we naturally ignore God and we rebel against him, he loved us so much that he came to die for us. Christ, the Son of God, gave himself up for us. He died on a cross as a sacrifice to God, bearing the punishment that we deserve so that we can be forgiven. And more than that, more than that, through Christ's death and resurrection, actually we can be adopted into God's family. Not just forgiven, we're, we're adopted into God's family as his children. That's true for everyone who hears and believes the good news. That's what, that's what it means to be a Christian. It me, what it means to be a Christian is believing that good news of what Jesus has done. So if you believe that good news, then you are a child. That's, that's the starting point, okay? But it, it doesn't stop there. You are a holy child of God, so live like one. Live like one. Now, I need to, I need to warn you, actually, that what Paul writes next, it, it could be quite hard to hear. God is issuing a warning because it's, it's serious stuff and it really matters. Let me, let me read it for us. Uh, I'll start at verse 1 again. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. So being part of God's family should lead to a new way of living. It does lead to a new way of living. Now Paul's talking about sin here, and he's using phrases like improper for God's holy people. Did you see that there? And he says that these things are out of place. That's another quote. God is, is telling us that as part of his family, there, there are some patterns of behavior that are just out of place. They're improper. And he even gives us a few examples of such behaviors. He talks about sexual immorality, talks about impurity, obscenity, and greed. Now, most of us, if not all of us, have sinned sexually. I know I have. It could be in the things that we've done. It could be in the things that we've looked at. It could be in the things that we've thought. Jesus, Jesus Christ 
the Son of God said this. He said, you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And Paul's saying here, actually, sexual sin, it's, it's out of place in the family of God. And there's a, there's a warning, a strong warning in verses 5 and 6, saying that actually it deserves God's wrath, God's righteous anger. But I think it's worth noting that sexual sin is put alongside other so-called respectable sins. You know, the sins that, that we more readily turn a blind eye to. Think of uh, coarse joking or greed. Paul puts alongside those sexual sin. They're in the same category. All these sins are called idolatry. Tim Keller, who was an American pastor, said this about idolatry. He said, an idol is anything that's more important to you than God. Anything you seek to give you, what only God can give you. That's how Paul describes these sins. Well, is there, is there any hope? If I've sinned sexually or otherwise, is there any hope for me? Yes. Yes, there is hope. Thank God that he saves us, not because of, of what we do, but because of what Jesus has already done. God's, God's righteous anger at sin, it, it has to be dealt with. And there's two options. Either it falls on us or it falls on God himself in the person of Jesus. So if you, like me, struggle with sin, then run back to Jesus. Run back to Jesus. If you're part of God's family, then Jesus has taken God's righteous wrath for you on the cross. So run back to him. And that fact, it, it should lead us to, to hating our sin and fighting our sin. That's part of holiness, and it's part of living as a child of God. It, it means fighting your sin and hating it. If you, if you hate your sin, if you're fighting your sin, and that's, a, that's a good place to be. Keep going. It, it's, it's dangerous when we, when we stop hating sin and we stop fighting it and we start making room for it. That's a dangerous place to be. If, like me, you've messed up, then, then come back to Jesus. He's the one who died for you while you were still a sinner. Now, all this, all this talk about holiness, it sounds like hard work. To be, what does, what does holy mean? Well, to be holy, it means to be set apart or separate. God has, has saved us to be different to those around us, different to what we were before we were saved. And there's a change that's taking place, and that, that, can, be, that can be hard work, and it can be painful. Think of a child going into a new foster family. You know, there's, there's those new routines and those new habits to learn. And that can be confusing at first. Perhaps they can't just eat sweets and crisps like they did before. And they can't just watch TV anytime they like. Their foster parents, they're, they're going to try and give them a healthy diet and a, a range of hobbies and activities. And that, that might be really hard work. I've seen it with my friends. It is hard work. It's similar for us becoming holy. God has saved us to be different to what we were before, different to what we were before we knew him, and also different to those around us. Here's a, here's a question for you. Have, you. have you ever thought to yourself something like this? If only people could see that I was a normal person and not a weird Christian. 
Then, then they would listen to me, and they'd want to hear about Jesus. Have you thought something like that? If only people could say I was normal and not, not a weirdo, then maybe they'd listen to me about Jesus. Well, let me, let me tell you a story. A couple of years after graduating, I st- started working in, in a call center. I just graduated from university. The call center did not look like that. Was, that's far too tidy and <laughs> calm a place. Um, a lot of my friends that I made there at that call center, they were surprised when they found out that I'd just graduated from getting a degree and I was still working in this call center. And they, they couldn't get their heads around that. I was, I was alongside them selling BT to, to people on the phone. Did I sell BT to you? Any, anyone get broadband? <laughs> I might have sold you BT. Anyway, um, they, were, they were surprised that I had a degree and I ended up working in this call center. But they were even more surprised when they found out that, that I just started dating Abby, my now wife. We were just started dating. And that actually, because we were Christians, we decided that we weren't going to sleep together until we got married. That was even more surprising to them. Now, it would have been easy for me just to, just to keep quiet about that fact or uh, just want to blend in, not want to be different. <laughs> but, but let me tell you, actually, being different in that way led to a lot more conversations about Jesus. When, when people saw that I was different to them, they were intrigued <laughs> and they wanted to know about Jesus. And it was my pleasure to tell them. So what are we seeing here? We're seeing you are a holy child of God. So live like one. Live like one. Let's uh, let's finish off looking at verses 8 to 20. Verses verses 8 to 20. As I read it, notice that there's a basic pattern. The basic pattern is not this, but that. Not this, but that. Look out for that pattern as I read from verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now... You are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we've got, not got loads of time, and there's lots of details in here, so if you're part of a small group, this would be a good thing to dig into um, with your small group. But did you notice the pattern? Not this, but that. Not darkness, but light. Not sleeping, but awake. Not partnering, but exposing. Not unwise, but wise. Not foolish, but understanding. Not drunken debauchery, but spirit-filled singing. Now, I want, to, I want to dig down into that last one. Not drunken debauchery, but spirit-filled singing, which seems a bit odd at first, so let's have a think about it. Not drunken debauchery. Well, here's a, here's a super quick four-word summary of what the Bible says about alcohol. Okay, you ready for my super quick four-word summary of what the Bible says about alcohol? Drink good, drunk bad. 
That's my, that's my four-word summary for you. As Christians, we want to enjoy the good gifts that God has given us. And we want to do that with thankfulness and gratitude. But we always want to love God and love our neighbors as we enjoy those good gifts. Remember earlier we said that, that sin is idolatry. That's taking a good thing and turning it into a God thing. So, so let's think about alcohol and drunkenness. How might we be tempted to idolize alcohol? Well, an idol is anything that's more important to you than God. Anything you seek to give you, what only God can give you. So I had to think, and I think we turn to, we turn to alcohol or drunkenness for a few different reasons. We look to alcohol for, for joy, for escape, or vulnerability. Those were the things that I could think of, and perhaps there's more. Instead of looking to God for joy, escape, or vulnerability, sometimes we, we might be tempted to turn to alcohol. Let me explain what I mean. Um, too much alcohol, it might fuel some good times, but it's, it's not guaranteed, and the joy won't last. On the other hand, Jesus, Jesus offers life to the full. We can find perfect joy in him. Too much alcohol and drunkenness might offer a temporary escape from our troubles, but it certainly won't last. Things will catch up on us again. Jesus, on the other hand, stays with us through all times, whether good or bad. With Jesus, we, we don't need to escape because he's with us. Too much alcohol, might, it might help us open up and draw close to our friends, our family, or even complete strangers. But it's not sustainable. <laughs> and we'll all just close up again once the alcohol's gone. But Jesus, Jesus knows us fully. Jesus loves us fully. We can be vulnerable <laughs> around Jesus, and we can be honest with him. Now, remember, this, uh, remember the not this, but that pattern that we were looking at. So if the, if the not this is drunken debauchery, you'd expect the but that to be soberness or something like that. But that's not what Paul writes, is it? He says, not drunkenness, but instead spirit-filled singing. See it there in verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Finally, we get to talk about singing. Great. <laughs> As a music coordinator, I love that. Um, there's lots in this verse, so, so let's break it down. Um, this verse in Ephesians, which should come up on the screen, there it is. This verse in Ephesians is actually very, very similar to another verse, which is Colossians 3.16. If you're a musician in this church, you've probably heard me quote Colossians 3.16 before. It's easy to remember, because it's like John 3.16, but it's Colossians 3.16, and it's all about singing. Um, but both of these verses, this Ephesians 5.1 and Colossians 3, um, they're both written by the Apostle Paul. Both verses are clearly about singing. Paul even uses the same phrase. He says, psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. And it seems to me that there's five parts of each of these verses, and they actually line up. Um, let's, let's look at the two next to each other. There they are. Um, now, at first glance, that's quite small, you can't see it. But at first, first glance, number one doesn't look all that similar, so we'll come back to that one. Um, verse, uh, part, part two of the verses, speaking to one another and teaching one another. Okay, well, they seem pretty similar. Uh, number three, they're pretty much word for word the same, aren't they? Psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Um, what about part four? 
Well, it's both, they're both about singing to God, singing to the Lord. Finally, part five, Paul talks about giving thanks to God for everything in, in both of those verses. So given that parts two, three, four, and five are so similar in these parallel verses, perhaps number one is not so different after all. Being filled with the Spirit and letting the message of Christ dwell in us richly, they're, they're closely linked the message of Christ, what's that word? It's the, it's the good news. It's the good gospel news we were talking about earlier as it's written down in the Bible. As we read this book, we're hearing God speak and his spirit is working in us as we get to grips with the good news of Jesus. Later in Ephesians, in chapter 6, uh, Paul talks about the word and the spirit in the same verse, actually. Um, chapter 6, verse 17 says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You could put it like this. The Bible is the Holy Spirit's weapon of choice. The Bible is the Holy Spirit's weapon of choice. It's the sword of the Spirit. So read the Bible. Know the Bible. Love the Bible. Learn the Bible. And even sing the Bible. So here's five super quick points about singing from each of those five parts. Number one. Sing the word. As you sing, realize that God is doing something to you. It's not just something that we do for God. It is that, but it's not just that. As we sing in response to what God has done for us, God is doing something to us by his spirit through his word. Number two, sing to encourage each other. Singing at church is not like a silent disco. You can't just put your headphones on and have your own personal playlist with God. As we sing, we encourage each other. We sing to one another. So we speak the truth in love as we sing. Number three, sing with variety. You know, there's no particular song or particular sound that God really likes. God is, God is glorious and the church is diverse. So we need to sing with variety. Sing to praise God, number four. Sing to praise God. God has done, God has done so much for us through Jesus Christ. And singing is a great way that we get to say thank you to him. So as we sing, focus your thoughts on him, who he is, and what he's done. Finally, number five, sing as part of a life of worship. Singing is, is a way to give thanks to God. But let's not, let's not let it be the only way that we give thanks to God. We want, we want everything we do to become more and more a loving response to what God has done for us. Now, that was a really quick tour of singing, <laughs> and the Bible's got a lot more to say about it. Fortunately, next uh, Sunday evening, it's open to questions, and we're going to be talking about singing. That's exciting, isn't it? So uh, if you've got more questions about singing, uh, my friend Andy is going to be coming along, and you can ask him all your tricky questions. Perhaps you could text the number now, right now, and you could ask Andy a tricky question. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see you next week at 6 o'clock, because we're going to be thinking more about singing. We, we should really wrap up... Um, Let's wrap up then. So you are a holy child of God. So live like, live like one. That's what Paul's been saying to us. That's what God's been saying to us. You know, you know it's true. We, um, we all end up like our parents in the end. That's my, me, <laughs> me and my brothers. Uh, slightly older now. And my dad. Um, are you becoming like one of your parents? Uh, I'm I am turning into my dad. Um, obviously, that's posed, <laughs> but I, I am turning into my dad. Fortunately for me, my dad's a great guy, so it's not a problem. Um, but slowly, 
slowly, very slowly, I'm becoming more like my heavenly father. I mean, it's a slow process. It really is a slow process, and sometimes it's painful. But God is making me more and more, by the power of his spirit, he's making me more like Jesus. So I'd love to pray for us. I'd love to pray that, that we'd know that we are God's children. If we trust that good news, then we are God's children. I'd love to pray that the Spirit would make us more, more like him. So let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for the good news. The good news that you've adopted us into your family. We didn't deserve it, but you did it out of love for us. We praise you. Pray that you would be working in our lives by your Spirit to make us more like your children. Help us to live as your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.